Welcome back, everybody, to the Jazz Nation podcast. It has been quite some time. Uh, I actually think it's been almost over a year since uh, since we all recorded, but uh, we're back. I'm Mark Wallen, your host. I'm also here with my longtime co-hosts, Ty and Gerald. Uh, Gerald, why don't you give us a hello, and then Ty, why don't you just follow him with a, a hello and welcome back right after right after Gerald does. Hey, guys. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, we back, man. Dusted the cobwebs off. Let's get going. Okay, let's do it. I'm super stoked to, to be with these guys again. Super knowledgeable, super fun guys to talk to. We've stayed in touch, uh, even though we've taken an extended break and we've had a lot of fun conversations. So we're excited to finally get our schedules back in line and uh, get on here and record some of our thoughts for you guys to listen to. So if it wasn't for Gerald and this crazy work schedule, we would have done this a long time ago. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh, well, anyway, so here's kind of the plan for the day. So we just wanted to touch on some of the off-season storylines. Predominantly, uh, we wanted to talk about the NBA draft that just happened this past Thursday. We're going to talk about the draft just kind of in general, uh, just some of our general thoughts on on some of the picks that were made, some of the trades that happened, uh, maybe some of the trades that didn't happen, and just give our, our thoughts there. And then after that, we'll transition to the Utah Jazz's draft, uh, obviously drafting uh, everyone's favorite, Grayson Allen, at 21. <laughs> and uh, then the selling of the 52nd pick uh, later in the draft. So we'll touch on that. And then from there, depending on time, we're going to transition into free agency. And we'll talk free agency big picture. Uh, we'll talk some of the big storylines like LeBron James, Paul George, uh, maybe even some Kawhi Leonard, uh, even though that's not necessarily free agency, but that's kind of an important topic related to this time of year. And then uh, from there, we'll, we'll rotate and transition into the Utah Jazz specifically, talk about their situation uh, with their free agents, both free agents that uh, are on the team now and, and that they may be looking to retain, uh, some of the player options with Cephalosha, Udo, Drebko, and then uh, we'll talk about some potential free agent targets for the Utah Jazz. So that's kind of the plan. We're hoping to keep this to about an hour, so we'll see how that goes. If we run out of time, we may cut a little short and then record another one, finish up our combos. Uh, that we started on here, uh, but let's just jump right into it. So let's start with the draft. Uh, so obviously, like I mentioned, draft this last Thursday. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, of course, went number one to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, there was definitely some interesting things that happened up there at the top, but I just wanted to start off by getting your guys' quick thoughts on on Ayton being the number one pick in this draft by the Phoenix Suns. So uh, Ty, why don't you just start us off real quick? Why don't you just give us some uh, some of your thoughts on on Ayton getting picked over guys like Bagley? Doncic, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., some of these other guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I'm kind of more of a Doncic guy, honestly. Uh, I guess I get why Phoenix made the pick, but it's tough for me to kind of be okay with that pick, knowing that Doncic was on the board. Um, so, like, that's my main problem with it. Like, I like Aiden as a player. I think he's, you know, obviously has all the – skill and the frame and all that but with a guy like Doncic on the board I, I just I just have trouble with them passing on him is my only problem with it okay so Gerald what are your thoughts there I'm, I'm interested to see if you have anything uh different uh any different feelings than Ty does no not really like I I, I was really high on Marvin Bagley uh it, it I don't know like 
I wasn't high on Aiton as as everyone else was. Like he he's, I definitely would put him in top three pick, but I could you know, see myself picking Bagley over Aiton. I definitely would have picked Doncic over Aiton, and uh, you know, going off what Ty said, like I can I can understand what Phoenix did, um, but still like, oh yeah, yeah like. Uh, they're they wing guys. I guess they must really like their wing guys right now, you know. And like, <laughs> can't tell you how many times we, we, you know, jazz fans bag on uh, some some of Phoenix's players, you know. Um, but like, it's our favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm just wait. I can't wait for the Rudy Gobert versus DeAndre Ayton talks. We already got Donovan Mitchell versus Devin Booker, right? <laughs> I know. We're going to become like rivals with the songs randomly because of all these Twitter fights. <laughs> right. Um, and Ayton, you know, physically, you know, gifted, very athletic, has so many foot, you know, so many moves, you know, has great footwork. Um, although you and Ty, uh, uh, I know uh, uh, Mark and I talked about Aiton's defense, and like I pointed out some key things where I'm just like, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, and he could, you know, he could theoretically clean those up. But yeah, his defense is bad right now. I'll, yeah, I'll it, say that. Like it's it's well, gnarly. Can I yeah. can I make a counterpoint to that? Oh yeah, for sure. Out of out of the top five picks, whose defense is good? Uh, Jaron Jackson, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, that's what I would say, but that's the only one, right? Yeah, uh, I yeah could, for I, sure. Well, I could see Bagley's also. Uh, yeah, I think slight, Bagley's is bad, too. It is bad, but I, I can see it slightly. Worse. Yeah, it's slightly better. Like, yeah. to answer your question directly, J, uh, Jack, Jared Jackson's defense is good. Um, but, like, <laughs> you know, Donchich, you know, like, he just he just seemed to have an overall more positive net than Aiton did. Yeah, I think my thing is I think, and this is true with Marvin Bagley as well. Like both Bagley and Aiton's defense is not great, um, but I think that's predominantly due to the just basketball IQ and having an understanding of how to play defense, right? Like I to me, they don't have any type of physical or athletic limitations that will prevent them from being a good defender. The only thing that's going to prevent them from being a good defender is focus, effort level, and then just a, an understanding of how to play defense, right? right. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. Like, and I think... Like he's physically limited at all. I mean, it, exactly. it, me, from watching him, it was like, oh, he's slow on a rotation here, or, you know, just little things like that, which definitely could be cleaned up. Like, yeah. yeah he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know what, what he's really supposed to do at times, and that could be cleaned up, but that might be something where he just it never clicks in his head, and you know, um, and certain things you know scheme wise like a coach can implement, but like he just may never like focus enough and, and put enough attention into it. And some players are like that, you know. James Harden, you know, just doesn't care about defense a lot of times. Right. Yeah. And I, it's an interesting conversation because. Like, honestly, if you look at the top 10 of the draft, which is, it goes Aiton, Bagley, Doncic, Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., Colin Sexton, Kevin Knox, and McCall Bridges. I mean, arguably, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Bridges? 
are are good defenders. Bamba. Oh, and Bamba. well, yeah, and Bomba, I guess you'd say, That's for sure. Thinking. Yeah. So Bomba, Jackson, and and Bridges, right? So like three yeah. of the top ten are good defenders. But then, I mean, if you look at if you look at okay, well, who's a good two way player then? Like who's a complete player? Uh, so that you lose Bomba, right? Like I know. No. Well, I know people no, believe in his shooting and his, but you know, as of right now, as of right now, when he was drafted, we can't say for sure he's going to be a, a legitimate offensive threat, right? Because he, he wasn't in college, so I that gets that gets rid of Obama, and then Jaron Jackson, that's questionable with him say, at times, right? I'd say two are actually two way players. Granted, they're not great in, in both sides, but like Kevin Knox, I can you know. Could be, you know, I would think would be able to like. Oh, he he does play on both sides of the of ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and I think it's just an and interesting. Bridges as well. Yeah, yeah. And I would keep Bridges in there, but I think it's an interesting thought process. You know, when you consider taking Aiton number one or not, you know, c- compared to a guy like Bagley or Doncic, right? Like, and Aiton right. gets knocked for his defense a lot. But the reality is, the majority of these top picks, even as great as they are, they're not they're not great defenders. And if they are. You know, it's 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 rare that they're even a two way player, right? So, right. Um, and, but I I, th- I think you're you're missing the point here. Like, I get where where you're going with, but the idea is is like we're we're talking about uh, Aiton's defense as compared to like Bagley and Doncic still being on the board. Like the overall net package that those two guys had versus what sure what sure uh, yeah. I mean, I take Aiton over Bagley though. I think okay, yeah, no, like. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm still putting Aiton in, in the top three, but like he he's not falling past three past me. Yeah, know? yeah, it's just a, I mean I I understand too like where you know you guys are coming from, especially Utah where like if and I'd said this before on other podcasts, but I would have taken Luka Doncic number one, even though I I had Aiton ranked higher than him just barely just by position, not by tier. I would have taken him number one just for the fit with him and Igor uh, and just the chemistry yeah. that they already have established. Um, but I think I do think Aiton has the the highest upside in the draft. And he has more upside than Doncic, and that's why I had him just slightly ahead of Doncic because, like we were talking about, like even though he does have these weaknesses, and it's the same thing with Bagley. I'm not saying I had Bagley above Doncic. I definitely didn't. I had Doncic a tier above him, but you know it, it, they have all the foundational tools and athleticism that you would want for them to just be a completely dominant two way player, right? And so you know, like Doncic, yeah. Doncic is great, but I don't ever see him being like maybe he'll be a plus defender one day, but like I, like maybe probably not. Like he right. probably right. more of like an average defender with high, uh, high offensive upside, right? More like, and I've I've used this yeah. example before. Like he could end up being the Nikola Jokic of of wings. Like I don't think his defense will be that bad because Jokic's defense is atrocious. But you know, just in that same kind of mold where you know defense is not going to be his calling card, but his high level offense, his ball moving, his shot making, his high basketball IQ, all those types of things will make up the difference. But yeah, overall, I think Aiden uh, just has a little bit more upside there. Well, well go, going with upside, then you can you can realistically put both Bridges and Bomba above Doncic. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, you know, I what we... So. I don't think you could put Bridges above him. I mean, I think Doncic... Like, Which one? You don't uh, think either of them? Yeah, either of them. Wow. Um, I just think Doncic, like, yeah, he might never be a plus defender, but this... The package he already brings on the offensive side of the ball is yeah, it's, it's pretty elite. It's like, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, and I mean, and and that's a good point, and I and I think that's fair. So, well, let's and let's talk about this then. So, what do you guys? So, Ty, let's we'll start with you. What do you think of Bagley 
getting picked by the Kings over Luka Doncic and Doncic falling to three. Uh, and then we'll get into the trade after that. But what do you what do you think about that decision there by the Kings to take Bagley over Doncic? I think it's dumb, really. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it at all. I, I like I said, I think Bagley is a good player, but even then, I don't love the fit in Sacramento. I mean, I don't know if I'd love anyone's fit with the Kings right now, but like, just you know, he's gonna have to play maybe as an oversized four or so, or something like that, or. I just I don't love the fit in Sacramento, and then I think Doncic, he'll be able to step in right away and produce. Um, I what what he did as an 18 year old is in the second best league in the world is pretty incredible. So um, I, I think the Kings are definitely going to regret that one. What are your thoughts, Gerald? Yeah, <laughs> like I said, I, I I don't know how Doncic didn't go number one. Period. Like right there, like he's. He's able to, to produce right now on the court, you know, at like at NBA caliber level. You know, not 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 at the highest of it, but at NBA caliber level. He's barely 19. He's going to develop even more so. Like so, like that's where you have you, the mindset. And I'm just like, why, why, why wasn't he number one? You know. So and if he wasn't number one, then why in that you know was he not number two? <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know what the Kings I mean, the Kings only Kings. thing I can think of is, like, Bagley was really open to work out with Sacramento and all that. And, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's a good enough reason, in my opinion, to pass yeah. on yeah. A, a, a prospect like that. Yeah, and that's the interesting factor to me because the Kings are trying really hard to revamp their image and their culture. They just built that new arena. They're trying to sell seats. Last year, they got their guy who wanted to come to them uh, and play for them in the draft and De'Aaron Fox and, you know, Marvin Bagley, uh, he, he expressed similar things this year, right? And they, and their fans were just so excited last year when they got Fox because they finally got a guy that wanted to be there, which just never happens, hasn't happened for, you know, I, I can't, I don't even know if it ever has happened, but yeah, ever. Yeah. yeah so, no, so I, I think to, be. I think to match De'Aaron Fox, a guy that was already that way with a guy like Marvin Bagley, who is really talented. Like he's a top five talent in this draft. Right. So yeah, it's not like a huge reach to, to take him at number two, but to, to have a guy like that want to come there, I think that's very intriguing for them, at least from an ownership perspective. And, but you know, of course, you you have the ownership feeling that way, and then the front office that they feel good about them. That seems like a good match. There, I'm not agreeing with their with their decision to do that because, like, I'm with you guys. I think Doncic is just a generational talent and like a one of a kind prospect that you just can't pass on if he drops to you. But but I do I do understand where they're coming from from their perspective and and trying to make that all happen. So yeah, like I mean, how much have jazz jazz fans just had their jaws dropped and they're drooling because of like all the flowery things you know donovan mitchell you know does oh yeah that's a that's a great example like donovan mitchell is that was that guy for the jazz last year and jazz fans were drooling over him right like he wanted to come to utah and that just is you know for jazz fans has been a weird thing too right so if you look at it from that perspective as a jazz fan like it, it makes total sense so like i mean if you know, if he plays, you know, in a, in a, at a top five pick level, you know, it's 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 going to be good. But I, so I get like the enticement there, but and going along with what you said, Mark. But yeah, like Don, I I just couldn't, I didn't understand it. So I, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and it's interesting, too, from a roster standpoint, because the Kings already have Willie Cauley-Stein, Skyla BCA, like they have uh, uh, Harry Giles. They have some bigs already yeah. there that are young, right. and they're pretty talented, and none of them can space the floor. And Bagley, he can shoot a little bit, but he's not, you know, like a stretch four or anything no. by any means. He's, he's a 15-footer. Yeah, like the comparison he got a lot was Amari Stoudemire. I and I, you know, I don't really like player comparisons, but you know, in terms of his college impacts and the way he played in college, that that comparison's not far off, right? And if you have Amari Stoudemire with Shaquille O'Neal, even if you have Steve Nash, like the Suns did, like we all know how that turned out, right? Like you need to space the floor for a guy like that to get to the basket out of the pick and roll. Um, so I'm interested in that sense. Exactly. Like, yeah. And Darren, Darren Fox is not Steve Nash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a great point. So, so yeah, just from that perspective too, I, I think it's interesting, but, but let's move on from there. So let's talk about Luca then. Um, so he was drafted, drafted number three by the Hawks, but was consequently traded to the Dallas Mavericks who moved up from the fifth spot to, to go and get him. And uh, Atlanta moved back and uh, drafted Trey Young at number five. Uh, so, Ty, we'll start with you again. What are your thoughts about that trade? Um, do you like it better for the Mavs? Do you like it better for the Hawks? I shouldn't even ask that. But we all know no one likes that <laughs> for the Hawks. <laughs> but yeah. what are some of your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, home run trade for the Mavs. I mean, that pick, I was looking at it yesterday, it's like, it really, I mean, they might have to give it up next year, maybe, if it falls in, like, you know, that range. But it's really not going to hurt them. And when you can move up to get a guy like Luca with it, I mean, that's a no-brainer. I think that's a home run deal for them. Yeah. I, I know the Hawks weren't in a great place because, like, they didn't want to reach for Trey Young and they really wanted him. But I don't know, man. I'm just, like, under the same mindset as I have the first two teams we talked about. It's like, just take him just take him instead of doing all that and getting cute with it but um yeah i think it's a home run trade for the mavs i again understand why the hawks did it and they do pick up an extra asset and i do like trey but uh, i think it's a home run deal for the mavs honestly yeah gerald what are your thoughts i I, i'm with i'm with ty except like i'd say grand slam because i'm not even very high on trey young like the Hawks are trying to pull a Golden State. And then, like, and I'm not saying Steph Curry isn't great, because he is, but that the Steph Curry we see came out of nowhere. Like, he was decent and then had, like, two ankle injuries, and then all of a sudden the guy can't freaking miss. <laughs> you know, like, like, when that started happening, I was like, where did this person come from? And... To think that Trey Young's going to be that, I'm just like, uh, I'm really reaching there. Like, I feel like I'm reaching. I feel like other people are reaching. Like, and like Trey Young. Yeah, that's a lazy comparison. I mean, that's not fair to Trey Young at all. Like, yeah. Well, no, no, but, but that's exactly what the Hawks are trying to do as well. Like, because. I, 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 yeah, well, I think well, I think is, he, he yeah. Golden State, so I, I'm I'm guessing he's trying to copy that model. Right. Well, who who else did the Hawks get? They're trying to copy Clay as well. Yeah, they got Kevin yeah. Herter, right? At yeah. 19. Yeah. Yep. Right. They're trying they're trying to copy those two guys, like, literally, you know. And like Kevin, I think Kevin Herter is more like Clay than than Trey Young is like Steph Curry. <laughs> That's probably true, actually. 
the Mavs pulling the you know pulling the trigger on that trade it was like just yep it, it like I like I feel like the Mavs won this draft as much as Phoenix won this draft. Well, well, let me ask you this because I mean I and I, I I agree with you guys. I think both can be true though. Where I think the Hawks were trying to do that right, like Travis Schlenk, like you mentioned, was in Golden State when they drafted Steph, when they drafted Clay. And, uh, you know, it's no secret that they're trying to, to mimic that model. Um, that's why he was so enamored with those two guys in this draft. But but I also do think at the same time, like, it's unrealistic. And, and, and even for them, I think they would admit this, that it's unrealistic to expect those guys to get to that uh, to that level. Because, you know, Clay's a, a generational all-time great shooter, and Steph is arguably the most impactful, most devastating offensive force in the entire league. Uh, and in the entire league history, right? So uh, to expect to get that again from a couple other guys is, is is a little bit of a folly, I think. But but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think the Mavs definitely won that trade. But but let me ask you this: so out of oh, let's say let's say we'll just go with the top. We'll go with the top five, right? So out of the top five, we had four Western Conference teams, right? The Mavericks, Memphis, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Right, mm-hmm. so the West is already loaded, right? And so they just the 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 bad teams, the really bad teams in the West, just got these great top talents. And if you're the Jazz, right, like you already know, like Golden State's gonna be good. You already know Houston's gonna be good, all that. But out of those top five teams, with the picks that they made in the top five and and elsewhere in the draft, we'll include that too while we're here. Which of those teams are you looking at thinking, oh, holy crap, like they just got those guys on their team? Like they're going to be a problem for us here in the next year or two or three down the road. Phoenix. No, I'll just say it right there, Phoenix. I think Dallas. I, 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 I'm just so enamored with Doncic. I, I, I just think the way he plays too, his, his skill set is just natural. It just naturally improves the other four players on, on the floor. Um, people are going to want to play with him, just the style he plays. They have cap space. They obviously have an aggressive owner. And, I mean, now their roster is not terrible. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., Doncic, uh, Barnes, Wes Matthews, they have cap space this summer. I mean, they, I mean, and they, I'm guessing Carlisle's not really going to try and rebuild for like three, four years. Uh, I think, I think Dallas, really. See, I, I'm, I would go with you only once I see a, like a, a couple more moves like if once i see what they're gonna do you know in free agency and, and th- then i'll be able to say other, other than right now like it, they have the possibility of doing that i think yeah, phoenix, i think phoenix right now is like i think phoenix is like three four years away though honestly i mean i think everything for phoenix depends on kind of ayton's defense how it develops and his passing I mean, if that yeah. gets better, they could have a possibly great core. If if it doesn't, if it kind of stays where it is, even if that's unlikely, I think they max out as an average team, honestly. Well, and they well, still they still need a point guard, right? Like, Elliot yeah. Kobo that they got at 31 is really nice. I was a big fan of his. I think he's got a chance to be their starting point guard day one. But, you know, if he doesn't work out, like, they have no point guards on that team at all. And, like, we don't right. even know if their wings are going to work out. Like, we don't – like, Josh Jackson's nice, but – you know, he he wasn't that great this last season until the end of the year. And so we'll see how he turns out. And then, you know, Mikael Bridges, we'll see how he, he translates to the league as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think they got some ways to go. But but I think I might agree with you. I think Dallas getting Doncic, that that to me, 
that to me might be the most nerve-wracking thing. Although I do think Phoenix now having Igor there, knowing Igor and how well he he's going to coach those guys, I think all that talent that they have there too makes me nervous. But uh, but I, I'm way more yeah, afraid of those I guys. Yeah, what I will say Sacramento. like about Phoenix is like Mikel and uh, Josh Jackson are big for them. They're huge. When you have Booker and Aiton who might not ever be above average defenders, having those guys on the wing could be huge. But right. yeah. I, still, I think that's like three years away. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, and that's a fun lineup. If you get, like, Josh Jackson playing, uh, like, a small ball four next to Aiton, and then you got Bridges as your three, and then Devin Booker's your two, and Okobo or whoever your point guard's going to be the one, and then and Aiton at your center. That's a, that's a pretty athletic, pretty long, pretty uh, pretty diverse lineup there. I think well, that could be a lot of fun. Could, could you know, could we see the possibility of keep, keeping the ball in Devin Booker's hands more often, basically <laughs> kind of making him a de facto you know, point guard like James Harden? No, I, I, I mean, Devin Booker to me is, I mean, you guys, you guys know my thoughts on Devin Booker, right. but I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, but that's what I'm trying like, I'm saying like, that maybe, might be their best option right now. Right. Like I, you know, yeah. Uh, rookie point guards never really produce. Yeah. I think the one thing start. though, I think the one thing though, what'll help with a Kobo is he's been playing professionally overseas. And I think that's true. That's because true. he's been playing at a higher level, he'll he's much more likely to be able to just plug right in and, and play uh, at a high level, even though he is a rookie, right? So I think that's gonna like, and to me, like if I look at that, that's where I tr- I think I'm gonna trust a Kobo more as the, as the point guard than I would like a de facto <laughs> Devin Booker. Um, but you know, especially like especially defensively, especially when they don't really care. Like they know they're a few years away. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, exactly. But I can totally see them, you know, stealing games here and there from real, you know, from Western Conference playoff teams. Yeah. So that's that's the other thing too. I th- I could see them doing that like this coming up year. Now whether they're actually in the playoffs, you know, I see that in, in a few years. But I could the same thing could be said about the Mavs. But it's just the idea that they have good pieces now in place for for a, like a plan of the future. Right, right. Yeah, the Mavs, Mavs with Doncic and Den Smith Jr. That's scary. Those guys can't play defense either. But if you play like Doncic at the four and Den Smith figures some stuff out, that team with Rick Carlisle coaching, yeah. oh my gosh, that could and be. That's why it's so big for them to get a defensive center for you know because Dennis Smith yeah. Jr. Like you said, and they they can't defend. But if they could get someone on the back line, like I know Jazz don't want to hear this, but like Favors, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or someone like that. I mean that that team. That's a, that could be a forty-win team next year. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, no. they they could be they could be dangerous. And I I agree with you. If we'll we'll get into that a little bit more when we get to free agency. But that yeah, that favors fit. You know, now that Dallas didn't get a big in the draft, that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on for for Jazz fans. But um, but before we get to that, let, I just want to touch on a couple more things real quickly. Um, just about the 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 draft in general before we get to the Jazz. Um, so let's just stick with Western Conference teams. So. There was other Western Conference teams uh, that had pretty good, pretty good draft picks and and good opportunities here. So obviously the Clippers uh, were at twelve and thirteen. They made that swap at eleven and twelve uh, because Charlotte took Chad Gilgis Alexander and that was their guy, and they held him hostage and asked for a ransom note from the Clippers and they got it in two second round picks uh, and then they swapped picks there. Uh, but the Clippers ended up getting the other, uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander at 11, Jerome Robinson at 13, and then Michael Porter Jr., kind of the big story of draft night, fell all the way to 14 to Denver Nuggets, uh, and the Nuggets being a divisional rival to the Jazz, and one of those teams that they were battling at the end of the season to make it into the playoffs. 
Um, so they get a, arguably a top five, top six talent in this draft that drops only to 14. Uh, and then the San Antonio Spurs, they actually ended up getting Lonnie Walker, who was a lottery-level talent, at 18. And then, of course, later in the draft, they got Chemezi Mitu, who I'm a big fan of. But, uh, but Ty, just real quick, what are some of your quick thoughts on those teams getting those players? Are, are any of those uh, pickups by them making you a little bit nervous as a Jazz fan? Or are you looking at that thinking, you know, those are nice pickups, but I'm not, it's not changing my, my concern level in regards to that team? Um. I mean, the Lonnie Walker pick in San Antonio, you know, uh, you were saying it on draft nights, like, of course they get him, you know. I like that. I think his fit with DeJounte is actually pretty nice. Um, I liked Lonnie. I was hoping he'd fall to the Jazz. And then my thing with the Porter Jr. pick is, like, Denver's already a pretty good team on paper, so they can afford to take a risk there with that pick, you know, if his back is just, like, shot or whatever, if it works out for them great and that's concerning for the jazz if if not denver's still set up pretty well so i like that pick for them honestly uh, and then so yeah i like both those picks and then uh the clippers man they have a ton of guards now yeah so they do. <laughs> i i don't i don't really know why they keep you know i guess a few of them don't really count you know like austin rivers will probably be gone after this year and all that but they have a ton of guards that yeah. really doesn't concern me they must have taken a Minnesota's old soul and just decided to <laughs> pick all well, the guards. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. When, you're, when your starting point guard is Austin Rivers, I'd be taking a bunch of guards, too. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I get it. I like uh, Jay Alexander, too. Um, so I, I like that for them. But, you know, that's not, like, keeping me up at night right now or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think they all made good picks, honestly. The teams in the West just seem so much smarter than the teams in the East. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're telling, you're telling us, Ty. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'm glad that the, the Clippers did not keep Miles Bridges. Out of, out of the three guys right there, 11, 12, 13, between Shy, Miles Bridges, and Jerome Robinson, and I'm a huge Jerome Robinson fan. I, I had him way higher on my board way before everybody else did. Um, but uh, to me, out of all those guys, I'm the most afraid of, of Miles Bridges. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that he got shipped out east. But I, I'm, I think I'm with you, Ty, in the sense that I think the Spurs, out of all those teams and their picks, them getting Lonnie Walker and then Chemezi Mitu at, at whatever 50, whatever it was that they got him in the second round, they had the draft I wanted the Jazz to have. And, and to me, out of all those teams, that's the most concerning pickups because I think both those guys could really turn into something, especially in San Antonio. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, Gerald, what are your thoughts on, on, on those teams? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. And I'm pretty sure I even I commented, like you said, of course they would get Lonnie Walker. And, I'm th- and I think I mentioned, like, I was thinking the same exact thing. You know? It's like, like, it's like it, stupid how this happens every year. Like, somehow um, the Spurs every year get a guy that drops to them. And, like, we look back, we're like, how the freak did that happen? It happens every year. Yeah, I, I also, I was the same way. Like, Shy, you know, good, you know. I would have picked uh, Bridges before him, though. Absolutely, you know, like. <laughs> I would too. I would too. I have one thing to say about Shay Alexander. Oh, Shay, dude. So I was watching him, just kind of up before the draft. He is a genius on the court. I think. I think his basketball IQ is incredible. Really, one of the smartest players I've watched in a long time. I just yeah. wanted to get that in. I actually like him um, better than Colin Sexton. Oh boy! Yeah, oh yeah, boy! I, <laughs> I don't know if I can go there. Shy, yeah. I don't know. Shy, it's easy for Shy to look 
like he's a high basketball IQ player when everyone else he plays with literally has no clue what they're doing. <laughs> Dude, that Kentucky team is such a mess. <laughs> it it was bad. It was bad. So, but but I'm not saying that Colin couldn't possibly be better than than oh, Shy. I love his, Colin Sexton. He's such a like, dog. I just love his personality. <laughs> uh, oh oh, I absolutely dig his personality. I just I'm just like man. I I can see Shy being better than Colin. It's yeah. Like. like I, I think you know I can, I can you know reasonably be talking saying, you know I could see Colin being better than Shy as well. So yeah. like, they, they, those two guys were kind of like a toss up for me, you know, in either one. But I like Shy's you know on court ability better. But you know I, I definitely dug you know Colin's personality. But um, oh yeah, Bridges definitely I would have picked, and the fact that you know he didn't stay with the Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers don't really, they they don't really bring up any any thoughts. <laughs> like <laughs> the Jazz like just destroyed their soul uh, last year. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like <laughs> they were they were touted and touted and touted. The jazz come in, they're like, oh, you know, boom, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'll, and I'll I'll say this. I think out of all those teams, the team that I'm least worried about who they got is actually Denver. Like I have I have no problem with them taking Michael Porter Jr. Because one, there's a good chance he may never actually even play in the NBA. Right. And two, I think he's a horrendous fit, uh, especially next to Jokic, because he's a ball stopper. He needs the ball in his hands. He's going to take the ball out of Jokic's hands. He's going to slow down their offense. That's going to clog everything up. Uh, I and he's bad defensively, right? So him and Jokic together, like if I'm a if I'm the Jazz, I look at that. And I'm like, I'm I'm totally okay with that. Like I I'm happy they didn't get Miles Bridges because I think Miles Bridges would have been more concerning to me, and he would have been a much better fit next to Jokic than a Michael Porter Jr. So yeah, yeah. Well, here here's the thing. I'm I'm also on board with Ty that uh, Michael Porter Jr. dropping down that far, like and he he could be like if he gets he could pull an Embiid. And just get fixed, and then all of a sudden, like he's the exact player that people were thinking he could be. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. and like when when you drop like out of the like, you know what it was two years ago. He everyone was talking like, oh yeah, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, or or it was a year ago, or something like that. And then like this this stuff happens, you know, and that's basically what happened with Embiid, you know. And, uh, and the fact that he fell that far, like, if you're picking that, like, yeah, like, that's, uh, you you can take a flyer. Like, you just, like, you know what, I'm taking a chance on the guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think like, at that point you have to take him. Like, yeah. even with all the concerns, like, I think you just have to just because the upside's so great. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super concerned. I'm way more concerned about the Spurs and yeah, even, even the Clippers. Absolutely. So. I, like, I wanted Lonnie Walker as well. Like, oh, gosh. He's going to be an all-star. Can I just say no, that? He's going to be an all-star, and we're all going to freaking look back at this draft and be like, how how did this happen? I, I wanted Lonnie Walker. Like, out of the, all the guys that could have just been were in our range, I'm just like, him, him. Like, I, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was just praying. I was like, please. I was hoping the Jazz were going to try and trade up to get him. I would heard the Jazz were interested in trading up if Lonnie Walker – uh, Miles Bridges or, Cal- or Colin Sexton dropped on on draft night, and as as Lonnie Walker dropped, I was like, oh shoot, like they better go get him. But I do think, in, in part, the medical reports scared them a little bit, and then I think they were really comfortable taking Grayson Allen at twenty one, so they didn't feel the pressure to move up. 
to get him. So, um, well, I, I, we we know Lonnie Walker, Grayson Allen, and Dante Davincio were were all on their big board. All three of those guys were on their big board. So, like, and I'm pretty sure I I would think Okaji would be would have been as well. I don't so, know if he was, but I I know I would add Kevin Herter in there. He yeah, definitely okay. was. Uh, sure. yeah, he, I think yeah. I think you know I don't I don't know this for sure. I've asked around and talked to some people, um, and and obviously none of them are gonna give me specifics, and they shouldn't. <laughs> but from my impression, if if I had to guess, my guess would have been Kevin Herter was the guy that they had on top of their board, and then uh, but they were okay with Grayson. I think from what I heard, Grayson was like number two on their board, but I think Herter was that guy they were hoping for. So. But well, let's just use this then to transition to the Jazz since we're talking about them. So Jazz got Grayson Allen at 21. Uh, everyone loves the pick, obviously. Uh, not controversial at all. Um, Ty, <laughs> yeah, Ty, what are what are your thoughts on Grayson Allen, the Jazz taking him at 21? The shooting guard from Duke, 6'5", very athletic, totally yeah. clean player on the court, never does anything <laughs> wrong, not controversial at all. What are your thoughts? Um, I like the pick. I mean – at that stage in the draft, you know, you can poke holes through all the guys. Um, but when you can walk away with a guy that's a good to really good shooter and one of the best athletes in the draft at pick 21, I, I think you take it every day of the week. And I think he fits well. I, I, I'm I a fan of the pick. So. All right, Joe, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm also a fan of the pick. Like, uh, he's, he's really, really athletic. Uh don't get me wrong. There are some certain things that he needs to learn to do with it, with his athleticism at the NBA level. But like he, he, you know, and I don't mind a little aggressiveness. You know, like uh, we've seen, we've seen worse, and you know, just in, from some of our guys. You know, like <laughs> like I, I, I don't get jazz fans just like screaming at the top of their lungs about this kind of stuff. Like it just. I'm just like wondering like why like a, a trip would you know like, did you guys listen to the podcast that Locke did you know and he, he was talking about Grayson Allen I you know I I've I watched the little video breakdown he did of him and I I listened to parts of that podcast I didn't get all the way through it but oh yeah no so he did a podcast about Grayson Allen you know after we made the pick and stuff and he's like hey listen this guy was always a lottery pick always a lottery pick. From, you know, and he he chose to stay in school. Not that he couldn't have just went and got drafted. Like he chose to stay in school. He chose to get a degree. Like that. Like that to me is like saying, "Hey, listen, this guy was going to be an NBA player, and regardless of anything, he he has the tools and the abilities to succeed at the NBA level." And so, like when you got so many guys right there, like in that area, like that were just like. The, all these guys could be NBA players. You don't like getting a guy like that at 21 is is really really good. It was it's like hey, I got two for the price of one sort of thing. I, I feel like. And don't get me wrong, you know he could turn out to be like not not a good player or just not a good personality or not a good fit, you know. And that's where like you know sometimes you know the front offices get that wrong, but. More often than not, fans are wrong about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone made a good point on Jazz Twitter. They were like, you know, we always laud Dennis Lindsay for all of his great draft picks in the past. 
but then as soon as we take a guy like Grayson Allen, like everyone freaks out and thinks he's an idiot. <laughs> like it's 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 just funny how how that how that perspective. The bipolarism. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not that jazz fans are known for that or anything. <laughs> not not at all. No. <laughs> there was it's no one. There was no though. one on this podcast that was, that was saying we should tank. This, this whole season and, and get yeah, a top draft happened. pick and, <laughs> and then switched and said, you know, I'd love to get home court advantage in the first round. There's no one that ever did that. But. Well, the, the thing about that is, is we had every reason to say that. And then when it wasn't happening, it was like, okay, you know what? Fine. I'm just, you know, give in to what's happening. And yeah. that's okay. Because like changing our minds there, like uh, based on the circumstance, like, but there was no change in circumstance within it this Like, he's going out, he's doing the research, the coaches are doing the research, the scouts are doing it. Like, he's doing everything that he does every year, and they just decided to flip a switch. Yeah. Well, I think it's – I think I'll, I'll just mention this real quick, and then we'll, 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 I'll ask a question to Ty. But I do think it's interesting, you know, if you, I wonder if you ask the Jazz fans that, that are really upset with the Grayson Allen pick, if, if they would have – Got on board with the with the tank note movement. Had they known that if they would have done that, they could have got a Miles Bridges, they could have got a Michael Porter Jr., they could have got a Zaire Smith, they could have got a Lonnie Walker or Kevin Herter, right? Like that. That's yeah. the difference. Like, and I, you know, and I try to explain that to people back when I when I was on board with that. Is this draft? You didn't have to be in the top five. Like top five would have been great, but you didn't have to be in the top five to go get a stud like that. That would have been a great fit on the Jazz. Yeah um so it's interesting it's interesting those those last few little wins i mean that that cost you you're, instead of getting kevin herter or lonnie walker you got grayson allen and that right. you know i like grayson i'm a fan of the pick but that 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 could end up being significant um in terms of the future of the team but uh so anyways it's kind of interesting there but but ty i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this back to you and then gerald you can just jump in right after him so grayson allen uh the you know we we i don't really want to talk about like you know the the encore incidents and whether or not we should put stock into him. I think we can all agree that the encore incidents are not a huge concern, and that he's matured, yeah. and that it's more of a, a sign of his competitiveness. So I don't, and that that that's been beaten to death, right? Like I don't want to talk about that really. So, uh, but what I do want to talk about is is Grayson Allen's fit on the team uh, this next season and moving forward. Uh, what what do you see his role being on the team? Because we have Donovan Mitchell as our shooting guard, you know, kind of combo guard can play the point guard. We have Ricky Rubio, at least for one more season. And, and from the sounds yeah. of it, the Jazz are confident with him moving forward. So he's the point guard. Uh, and then if we bring Dante Exum back, you know, that's that's another guard there as well. So, you know, how, how do you see him fitting into the team in that rotation? And what do you think that means for the Jazz moving forward? I, I, think, he, I think he fits fine. I mean, you know, the second unit had trouble scoring sometimes. I mean, he could... He could run the second unit hypothetically, and uh, you know he can pl- also play off ball and spot up and space the floor because you know he's a good shooter, and you know uh, I think he fits fine. I mean, do you have? Uh, like, I guess I haven't really thought of uh, kind of the long term effects on if this means you know what it means if we'll give Exum a big deal or or any of that, but uh, I. I think the fit initially in my head, I can see it. I can see it working. I, and you know, him and Donovan played against each other. They they kind of know how each other works, and they kind of could both be that combo guard, run the offense type deal if, if need be. So, I think the fit's fine. Okay, Gerald, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, like 
we've had this concept of uh, you know ball by committee. So like the idea is that they they both can, you know, Donovan and and Grayson can, Google you know, play you know combo ball. Like I can I could theoretically see like any one of like Rubio, Dante, Donovan, Grayson, uh, and and uh, like Joe Ingles. You have to put on here too because he's a wing player. Like out of those group of guys, like I can see three of any three of them matching up, like on, on being on the court at, at the same time and at any at any time of the game. I could see all three of those three of those guys playing. So like, and and the fact is, is like if if he's able to 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 bring up the scoring on you know in the for the um, in the second team, like that's that's several wins right there. Like that's a, a plus several wins just right there alone. So like if he's able to do that, like that means we, you know, like if we play up to what we know we can, then that, that probably means we're getting home court in the first round. Right. Yeah. Right, right there. And uh, to go along with Donovan, uh, with Dante, like I think the Jazz want to bring him back uh, at a price, at a certain price. But like if if Dante's like saying, "Hey, you know, I like he, he's if he's asking for too high, then I I think this gives the Jazz some insurance to go. Sorry, man, like we want you back, like we have a price for you, but like this is just too much for what's going on right now." Right. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Grayson's going to have an adjustment period making the leap from college to the NBA, especially defensively, although I don't I don't think he's a terrible defender by any by any means, but um but you know, it is interesting because he is a he is a four-year college guy. He's very experienced, he's very smart. He can put the ball on the floor with either hand. He can make passes in transition in the half court out of the pick and roll. You know, he can do a lot of things that matches really well with what the Jazz are looking for in a player. And then, of course, his elite athleticism and shooting ability is also a good match. But it is interesting in a sense, you know, you think about both, really, both Dante Exum and Ricky Rubio's future on the team. He gives him a nice backup, you know, kind of extra piece to have that can fit into one of their roles. Not saying that he's going to be a starting point guard like Ricky Rubio would be, but, you know, let's say say they do decide to move on from Dante Exum this offseason. Well, Grayson Allen, with his experience and his IQ and athleticism, should be able to fit into a similar role that Exum played this last season uh, and was projected to play at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. Uh, And he should be able to add some value there. And then likewise, you know, let's say they do bring Dante back, but then they decide not to bring Rubio back a year from now. You know, you would assume that Dante at that stage in time hopefully would be your starting point guard next to Donovan Mitchell. And then you'd bring Grace and Allen off the bench in the role, you know, again, similar to what Dante would have been bringing as a six man. But um, so and even if you bring all of them back, like that's a that's a great four guard combination that can do a lot of different things. Obviously, Donovan's your star. Ricky Rubio is your distributor and your starter. But Dante, you can play at three different positions. You can have him guard three different positions, you know, one, two or three. Hopefully a shooting comes around, but he could really come in as a change of pace guy off the bench. And then Grayson can he can fit with any of those guys, and I think that's what I really love about his versatility is he can be next to any of those three guys, uh, either off the bench. You know, I don't know if he's ever a starter in the league, but you know, if he was, I think just the match with his shooting, his ball handling, his basketball IQ, his toughness, his hustle. You know, I think all those things are very important 
uh, for him moving forward. And I think that's just a really nice piece for the Jazz to have and have contractual control over for, you know, the next six or seven years or wherever it may be. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, you know, it's funny because no one really ever complains about what he can do on the floor. It's always off the floor. But the one thing people do point to is like, oh, he's, he's not going to be able to be a good defender. It's like, why are you, I, I don't get that because it's like, okay, yeah, he had some bad habits in college, but he has good size for a guard. He's extra he's athletic. He's, he's quick. And he's, he's going to yeah. be around, you know, in some lineups, he'll have four other really good defenders around him. <laughs> right, so yeah. Him, and it's just like, that's not a concern to me, really. I, right. I, Maybe it should be, but it's it's just not right now. When well, factoring all those things. Well, you, and you, well, you, and you, we. I mean, we just had the conversation at the top of the draft where, you know, you look at a guy like Aiton or Bagley, like those guys are not good defenders, but they have the tools to be a good defender. So if they want to be and they work hard at it and they learn about it, they they can they have the potential to do that. That's well within their realm of possibility. And Grayson Allen's the same way, like. You know, he's he's slightly undersized, but not really, right? Like 6'5", what was he, like 6'7", yeah, wingspan? Fine, yeah, like that's pretty decent size for a combo guard. And he's super, super athletic. Like if, And he's super smart already as a, as a, in the terms of, of a basketball player. We know he's a hard worker. Uh, we know the Jazz are going to teach him to play defense. He's got a lot of great veterans around him that will be able to help him with that. So, yeah, like to me, I'm not concerned about that at all. And even if you are, like you mentioned, you have Rudy Gobert sitting behind you to cover up uh, any deficiencies there. So, yeah. The biggest cushion in the in the defensive universe is Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, there's a, there's a discussion to, to be had about, you know, like if you play a team like the Celtics and they go five out, that cushion is no longer there because they pull Rudy out of the paint, right? That's And that's kind of why there's some folly in the thinking of, you know, you bring a guy like Kevin Love in as a stretch four, and you think, well, well, Rudy can cover up him defensively. Well, yeah, but not against the teams that play five out because Rudy will not be at the basket, and that's how he covers up uh, for a guy defensively. But, but you know, again, in that same line of thinking, I, I, I don't think Grayson Allen's going to be a liability on the ball as a defender. He yeah. Like, sure, he may be for the, like his rookie season and maybe the next year after that, but I think ultimately he's going to be at least an average defender, if not a plus defender, and, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had, like, a Joe Ingles-type uh, progression in his defense where he really, you know, and he's a much better athlete yeah. than Joe Ingles is. So um, oh, I, yeah. I'm not I worried about in it. 15, in 15, when Ingles, like, first was playing big minutes, uh, he wasn't that good of a defender. And no. now he's, like, a really good defender. Well, so. because Joe Ingles is so cerebral. And, like, that's what Grayson Allen is. He's, he's a cerebral play, player as well. So, yeah, exactly. Like cerebral players are able to increase their defense, even if they don't have like just the absolute uh, physical tools to do so. And because, I think he does too. Right, I think, like, I think yeah. he has those. Tools, yeah, right. So that's why I really don't six, really. He's got a six seven wingspan, so like that's good for you know a one or a two. Like that's that's good. Like and he's 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 very very athletic. Like he's quick. Like, and people talk about his lateralness, but I think that's just bad habits. He just didn't know what to do, you know. And, and Quinn Snyder, it, like, obviously has, you know, helped every player on this team become a plus defender. Rubio wasn't even that good of a defender. Now he's a really good defender. Well, that's I think that one's a little bit debatable. I think Rubio is a pretty good defender in Minnesota as well. But, okay, but he, yeah. improved. he definitely improved. 
as being a defender. Well, yeah, I think he improved. I think he, well, and I think this goes back to our last point, though. I think he improved because he was on a better defensive team, and like, right. and and related to Grayson Allen, like you could make the you could make a strong argument that he'll be much better defensively in the NBA because synergistically, yes. yeah, because you look at, I mean, just look at this last year that Duke team he played on was atrocious defensively. There's a reason they went to the zone, like for the first <laughs> yeah. time in Coach K's career, is because Bagley and, oh, and Wendell wow. Carter couldn't guard anybody, and neither could Gary Trent Jr. or Trayvon Duvall, like. If you're gonna look bad defensively, especially in college, if you're on a bad defensive team, so yeah, um, so yeah, I think I think you know again, I I don't have any concerns with his defense. I think he's gonna be at least an average defender or plus defender here in the next two or three years. So, um, but let me ask you this: so one of the big things with him that's gonna be really important for him, especially on the Jazz, where they already have Rubio, who is essentially a non-shooter uh, as a point guard, at least relatively speaking. And then Dante Exum, if they do bring him back, is, is you know, essentially a non-shooting guard as well. Um, and then Donovan, you know, as great as Donovan's been, if we're honest, you know, he was uh, he was a little inefficient as a shooter in his rookie season. Now we're expecting that to improve, but, you know, we can't we can't exactly 100% bank on that, um, you know, improving to significant levels, although I wouldn't rule that out. Um, but so, you know, I think his ability to shoot and make shots is going to be really important. That's something that jazz really need from him and from, you know, really anyone that they pick up this off season. So, um, do you guys believe in his shot? There's some people out there that, that are not believers in his shot, but, uh, Ty, do you think that's going to be an issue or not? No, I, I don't. I mean, the form looks good to me. Uh, he shot, oh my gosh, let me pull it up. He shot pretty good from the free throw line. Uh, yeah, like eight, in the 80s. 85, like a career. yeah, 85% from the free throw line this past season, 83% free throw uh, percent shooter for his career. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, so all the, he kind of checks all the boxes there. Um, so I, I, I don't really see any problem with it translating to the league. Uh, Locke also put this on it on his podcast after we drafted Grayson. Like, his first two years, uh, like he, he shot what in the 40s and is. I think it was, I think it was 40s in the in the in the three point range. Looks and like then, he shot 41 his sophomore year, and then it kind of dipped off. Um, but yeah, still, so he, he shot 38 percent free throw shooter. Yeah, so his freshman year when he only played nine minutes a game, he shot 35 percent from three. Sophomore right. season he shot uh, 40 uh, 41.7, so 42 percent. And then uh, his sophomore or excuse me, his third year he shot. 37% and then last year he shot 30, 37% so he's a career 38% three point shooter. Okay, so like we know that he can hit that clip and 38% is really really good. Like was it like it's 35%? You have to be less than 35% to to like not have the same uh effective uh field goal like numbers like as points value as it like as it's like what 67 or 70 percent at at the at the rim or something like that. right uh, yeah i think 35 is kind of the tipping point at least that's yeah. what it's usually considered yeah right so like ha- having a 38 percent you know shot like career shot and you know like and the the nba is much better at development so we already know that this guy can do it for a prolonged period of time and his his form looks great like like ty said he could like just be. He could become a forty percent three point shooter for his career. You yeah. Know, realistically, there's there, there's nothing unrealistic about that. So like when when people are saying like he's a really he has a really good shot and like 
and with the realistic ability to become be an elite shooter, that's a real thing. And people like I've seen jazz fans go, "No, he doesn't." Like, where, where's your evidence? Like this, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's interesting that people knock his three point shooting when when he's a career thirty eight percent three point shooter, and there's. You know, if if you round up on his freshman season, and we could really even just throw his freshman season out, but if you look at it, there's never a year in which he shot below 37%, right? right. So, like, to your point, like, if, he, if he's a 30% shooter or three-point shooter in the NBA, like, that's great. Like, teams want that and need that, and the Jazz need that. Like, you take that every day of the week. Like, those guys are harder to find than people think, right? Like, I think too many people out there think, oh, he's got to be, like, a 42% three-point shooter. That just is not very common. Like, I know we have Joe Ingles, who's, like, one of the best three-point shooters in the league now. But that right. that is very very rare in the league, and that's why shooting's on such a premium. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys that I'm I'm not concerned about it. His mechanics are great, you know, his form's great, and then, you know, if we look at it just statistically speaking, if you look at the statistical projection models for college players as they come to the NBA, the two factors that actually are more indicative of shooting ability in the NBA than any other factors is specifically from three point range. Number one is the one that Ty brought up with his, his, his free throw shooting percentage, and we already talked about that. He's a career 83% uh, free throw shooter, and last year he was at 85%. And then rather than the actual shooting percentage of three-point shots in college, it's actually the volume of shots, uh, right. three-point shots that a player takes. And if you look at uh, Grayson's uh, collegiate career, he averages, on average, five-and-a-half threes per game. And the last Next three three. seasons, yeah, the last three seasons – the his his, his uh, second year in, in in college he took six per game then he bumped it up to six and a half and then last season he took seven and a half threes per game in college uh so he he's taking them at a high volume and some of the thinking behind that is if a guy is able to get his shot off that much from that range it usually means that number one he's confident and comfortable in taking that shot which usually is indicative of his mechanics and his true ability to make the shot uh and then number two just that, you know, his coach believes in him and is allowing him to take that many shots. And, and there's a reason behind that. It's because he is a good shooter. You know, coach is not going to let a guy <laughs> shooting 32, 30, 30% from three take seven and a half threes per game, right? Like, yeah. that's you, just not going to happen. Yeah. That real quick. <laughs> so that, that's a really, really strong sign and indicator Dante. of, of – Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that's where, like, a guy like Zaire Smith – we won't, we won't talk about him for a long time. But Zaire Smith that didn't have a high volume of three-point shots in, in his freshman season here in college, that should be very concerning to people, especially as he projects to be a guard in the NBA – uh, because that's more indicative of his shooting skill and ability than the actual percentage he shot this last year was was the volume that he took. But uh, but so anyway, so so to that point, like I I'm not concerned about his shooting whatsoever. I think he'll be at least a 35% shooter uh, from three, and especially within the Jazz system where he's going to get a lot of open looks. You know, I think he's going to knock those down. I know Locke brought up some of the stats of his of this of past this season when he didn't make, he didn't make. Uh, open spot up shots. But to me, if anything, that's encouraging because. You know, you look at his mechanics, his history of shooting. He is a good shooter. He's a good spot-up shooter from the outside, especially when he's open. And I think that was just more of a of a, of a a fluke and a small sample size this past season than anything else. So, you know, when he's getting those open shots, I think he's going to be a knockdown shooter. And I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. Okay. Well, any other thoughts on him before we, before we move on here? I'm good. No, nah, I think we touched on him. Okay. Well, I, yeah. 
And I'll say this. I think he, his personality just fits the Jazz. Like, I think they're going to welcome him in with open arms. I think the guys are going to love playing with him. I think he's going to be good in the locker room. I know Quinn's going to love him. Uh, so I, I'm just excited. And honestly, I, I've been telling people this. This is not so, like, hot take-ish uh, with, with things that have transpired recently. But I, I've honestly been telling people, I, I think Grayson Allen's going to be better for the Jazz than, than Rodney Hood was for the Jazz. And I know, like, that sounds, you're like, oh, wow, like, that's not a hot take because Rodney Hood was terrible uh, this past season, especially for the Cavs most recently. But, you know, let's not forget, like, Rodney Hood was really good for the Jazz at different times throughout his career here and, you know, was legitimately being considered as a, as a candidate to, to be our number one offensive option before the season started. And, you know, right. he, he's a guy that might get paid $15 million a year or something like that this offseason, as crazy as that sounds. So, you know, as bad as he was recently, you know, Rodney was pretty darn good. And I, I really do think that Grayson, with all the things that he brings to the table, could potentially be uh, a better a better, a better player, more valuable player for them than Rodney was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I could see that for sure, especially on the uh, – because, you know, Rodney was never going to be a, a, an above-average defender. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can well, definitely see that. And, and and with Rodney, Rodney was good, like you said, at different times in his career. Um, and I know jazz fans are just going to cringe when I say this, but with Gordon Hayward leaving, like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, like, with him leaving, like, it left Rodney vulnerable. You know, like, yeah, but that like really was a thing. Like it was like, oh, you know, Rodney's gonna be the number one option this year. Right, that's and my now point. It's like, like, oh, Rodney's yeah. terrible. Yeah, like, I, you know, can I just? Year, it's like he was the number one option. <laughs> it, it can I just? Vulnerable. Can I just mention? Can I just touch on that? I think it's hilarious in retrospect how many Jazz fans are backpedaling on that. Like the organiz- like Dennis Lindsay came out and said, like we, he literally said, we are prepared to move forward as Rodney Hood being our number one offensive option. Like. You know, like yeah. that, that, that was a thing like that. That's what we thought. That's what the front office thought. That was what the plan was. Like, I know well, people I know, are backpedaling on it now, but that really I, did happen. <laughs> I know Mark and I were, aren't backpedaling on this. Cause I know, I know we talked about this before the season started and said, uh, uh-uh, uh, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I bought into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, I, I was about to say, I think Ty, you may have been a little bit more like you may have been. I was more bullish yeah. on Rodney always. Yeah. Right. And, was, and I well, think I Gerald and I were always the guys. I mean, I was the guy saying we want, we should trade Rodney Hood to get Donovan Mitchell in the draft and got crucified for it. But, um, yeah. so, you know, I, I, I have struggled to be a Rodney Hood fan, but, but like at the same time, like Ty, I don't blame you or like anyone else for getting on that wagon. Like, you know, logically I can understand that logic and, you know, it's kind of one of those things like you probably had the right logic, just the wrong result, and so I can't like knock right. you. Yeah, I don't that even happen. know what happened. That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah. So hey, hey, we're we're the front office is saying we're gonna we're prepared to do this, and yeah, you can be prepared to do this, and you go out and do it, and just not get the results you want. Right. Exactly. Which happens all the time, and that should, we should have that discussion sometimes. The, the difference between correct logic and correct results <laughs> but yeah yeah anyway so okay well let's move on uh, we'll, we'll move on from Grayson we're already over the time that I said we'd go <laughs> um, so we'll, what we'll probably do so we'll probably just keep this to be a draft podcast then since we're, we're already at this point um, so we'll just kind of wrap up here with some second round stuff real quick and then we'll save the free agency stuff for next time um, uh, Mark do you want to talk about the Philly Philly Phoenix trade Oh yeah, so let's so yeah, we'll just do that. We'll backtrack for a second real quick cuz I know 
I know Ty and I specifically wanted to talk about this, and I forgot to mention it. So, so one more general NBA thing before we kind of touch on the second round real quick uh, as it relates to the NBA draft. So another trade that happened in the first round. Um, so Philadelphia 76ers, they took McCall Bridges at number 10. They ended up trading him for Zaire Smith, who the Phoenix Suns uh, took at number 16. And then they also, uh, the Suns also included a uh, future first-round pick that's going to be coming from uh, Miami uh, to them, which is unprotected uh, at some point in time. Um, so anyway, so I, Ty, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that to you because I know you have some feelings on it. And I know I, from what I've seen, I definitely have different feelings on it. Um, yeah. So why, why don't you just break down that trade and just your opinion on that? So, yeah, like just basically what you said, they traded that and they got the Miami unprotected first in 2021, which really isn't that far away. And when you think of the team Miami has right now, that pick in 2021, I mean, that could be a really, really valuable pick. And and to me, um, I like Mikel a lot. But I, I just don't know if the difference between him and Zaire is big enough to kind of be worth giving up that Miami pick, especially when you're a rebuilding team like like Phoenix. I think Phoenix, you know, that's the type of deal you make when you think you're one move away from from kind of polishing out your core and that being your core forever. And as we touched on early in the pod, you know, I still think they're three years away or so something like that uh, so i i think that's a pretty pretty bad trade for them just in that aspect of it and i was interested to hear uh your kind of thoughts on it well gerald i'll let, I'll let you take that because i i definitely have opinions okay, okay. <laughs> so i'll get so into said, it in a minute <laughs> you said they're three years away 2021 is three years away i think phoenix won won really well with this draft you know having Aiton and having Bridges like I'm high on on Bridges and Aiton is a top three pick you know in this draft like so like and they already got some pretty decent pieces on on Phoenix you know like you you set up a, a correct system you know and the players buy in you know I think that unprotected pick drops down to something like, you know, late lottery. Not not late lottery. Uh, yeah, late lottery. You know, like around maybe 12. You know, I think that pick drops it's down. It's Miami's pick, though. It's uh, Yeah, okay. Right. But but here's my thing. What Like, do we really think Miami's going to be that bad? In, yeah. Like, I, Miami, they always are making moves, right? Like, and they, they have a great coach out there in Spolstra. You know, I like I to me I have major questions on whether or not that pick really is gonna be that valuable. I mean, you look at like the Brooklyn pick, right? And how that ended yeah. up. Like that was still like a nice pick, but it was nowhere near as nice as everyone thought it was gonna be. And I think this is a similar situation where I think Miami's gonna make some moves and, and be a lot better than people are expecting. That pick's not gonna be as great. Because I know they have well, a lot of, they have a lot of guys that are gonna be free agents, right? Like they're gonna lose a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and but I also just think there's a lot of uncertainty because for that season, um, they'll finally be off the white side deal, the Grodzik, Goran Grodzik deal, um, Tyler Johnson. Like, so they're getting a lot of money off that season. So, like, I could see that kind of being a, a kind of process year, I guess, for lack of a better word. And um, I could, but 
and I just think there's a lot of uncertainty there, especially with like who knows what's going to happen with Riley. I, I don't know if he'll be there forever. Um, I think that's a really valuable pick, honestly. I, you know, it might it might end up only being the lottery, but still, if you're a team like Phoenix, that could be that could be really useful. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can get a, I mean, it's it's a first round pick regardless, right? And first round picks have an immense value, especially in today's market, right? But yeah, I mean, I I actually question because I I think Miami's gonna go get some go go get some players either in a trade or in free agency, and like especially in free agency, it's like the they're also. They're they're always going to be a free agent market because they're Miami, right? So, but do you think that's diminishing? Like, because I feel like the big market, maybe that'll change this off season. Obviously, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't don't speak too soon before LeBron and everyone else goes to LA. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like with so much the way it's going, it seems like players Miami is still definitely a free agent attraction and destination, but. I thought I think it's kind of lost its luster from what it was a decade ago or so. You know, I I think it's starting to, but I definitely wouldn't say it has lost it. I mean, like Gordon Hayward, just look at him. Like he took three meetings. It was with Utah Jazz, the incumbent team, the Boston Celtics, the team he ended up going to, and the Miami Heat. Right? Like that I was. You said you didn't know this guy. Oh well, you know, <laughs> lapse of lapse of memory and judgment, but. Uh, <laughs> But like he, so like in that sense, like you get what I'm saying. Like, out of all yeah. the teams that were interested in him, like the three he took, and it included Miami. Like I think that speaks volumes, right? And like he, like he said, like he was he seriously considered going there. He was very impressed, and I think you know for a he lot of other free agents, he had three yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, <laughs> you know, he he was really torn. I totally really believe that, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, and I, and I, you know, I think, I think we'll see other free agents take meetings with them, like other big free agents here in the upcoming near future, because, because of that fact that they're Miami, they have the respect of, of players around the league. People recognize, you know, Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league, let alone in the East, you know, and Pat Riley, of course, brings his clout and his stature to that team. So, so yeah, I, I, I think they're going to find a way to make some, some things happen. That's just, that's just kind of their MO. So I, you know, I, I actually would be surprised if it's if it is a lottery pick, especially in the East because the week the East is so weak, especially when LeBron leaves because he is leaving. By the way, um, that's my other point. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's gonna be for a well coached team like that. It's gonna be much easier for them to sneak into the playoffs over a lot of these other teams. So yeah, I just yeah, I I kind of I think I like Zaire more than you though. Honestly, can we talk um, about this? Can we talk about this? This is really what I want to talk sure, about. Sure. I... <laughs> I mean, I think Zaire, man, he is such a good athlete. And I think with his ability on defense, I think he should be able to play fairly soon, honestly. Like, I don't think he's a crazy project just with the oh, athletic gosh. ability and defensive traits he brings already. Look, I, um, I'm a shot, Zaire. The shot is yeah. definitely a question mark for sure. Um, Understatement. And, you know, we've said that with a lot of guys and they haven't penned out Winslow, um, Stanley Johnson, you know, just to name a few. But I, I like Zaire. I well, let me just say this. I love Zaire again, kind of like Jerome Robinson. I I was on the Zaire train much earlier than most other places were, and most other talent evaluators were. Um, I I remember reaching out to some of the local media guys and saying, "Hey, like you need to go watch this this Texas Tech team. You need to see this Zaire Smith kid. I think he'd be a great pick for the Jazz at 21." And at the time, like they, like literally, one of them told me. I haven't watched Texas Tech because they're not—they weren't supposed to be any good this year. 
like I haven't paid attention. I haven't heard anything about this kid. Um, and so, but I'll go check him out. Right. Like, so, you know, he was, he was flying under the radar for quite some time, but like you mentioned, like his athleticism is elite, arguably the best athlete in the draft. He's got great physical tools. He, uh, you know, pretty good defender. I think his defense is a little bit overrated. He got smoked by quicker guards, uh, all throughout the season, but no one wants to talk about that. But, you know, I, I like him, but you know, he's a guard. Like he's, he's not as big as people thought he was. And he has no ball handling skills for guard. And like I mentioned, like his shooting is a major question mark. His volume of shooting was low. He was like the third or fourth option on that Texas Tech team, and there was a reason for that. And his best skill is is arguably his offensive rebounding. And for a guard in the NBA, that's just not that valuable, right? No, no. So, like, and I like him. I like you know again, like I I had him like I if he would have been there at twenty one, I would have taken him over Grayson Allen. Um. Like the upside's there, I get it, but McCall Bridges is like a really polished player, is really a really good player, and there's a there's a good chance Zaire's never as good as as college version McCall Bridges was this past season, right? Like I think we have to recognize yeah. that. Uh, so t- and to me, like with Philly, like Bridges was the perfect fit there, and like Zaire, yeah. I'm like I don't know how Zaire really fits into that equation other than playing defense and like being athletic. But they need some more shooting. Like they need some more things that like McCall Bridges could have brought. So I don't know. To me, oh, I don't know. Man. I I'm not as excited about that that trade for Philly as, as maybe you are. I'm not. I'm not ben, nearly as high as I hear. Ben Simmons is a good enough shooter for Philly. Oh yeah, of course. Well, like, I think that could. But they could use that Miami pick as kind of Kawhi bait, maybe or something. You know, if um or kind of use that as something that could complete their their core get in, that get that third guy uh next to Simmons that Embiid um so I think that is big for them though it could be as big you know if they if they line Kawhi with that that's that's worth it I think yeah well in that sense you know I could see that but I could also see where like a guy like McCall Bridges might be more a- appealing than both of those assets right like if you yeah. like if you're me and you don't really believe in Zaire and you don't really know if that pick's gonna be all that great. Like I would have rather have had McCall Bridges in a Kawhi deal, you know, especially for the Spurs because he would have just like fit so perfectly with them. But but like I understand that that perspective as well as like you get a really high upside pick in Zaire who would also fit the Spurs system. You get a future, you know, first rounder that potentially could be really good. So you could try and make a move there. But but yeah, I'm I'm not a to me to me Phoenix won that deal. Because yeah. I think they got the best player, and I think the known commodity and quantity and value of Bridges, uh, I, I value that a lot over a guy like Zaire who could be a, bu- a complete bust and then a pick that may not end up being that great. But, um, but Gerald, I know we've been talking. What are some of your thoughts on that? Do you have anything to add? Yeah, no. I, you basically said a lot of things. Like I didn't, I didn't think the pick was going to be, like I said, any, you know, any much lower than like 12, 11 maybe. And still that like – but this you, year, we've seen teams not even give up a first rounder for a guy like Tyreek Evans. Those are, I feel like first rounders are becoming even more and more valuable. Well, so and we don't, and we don't really, know, we don't even know how the really good. twenty, you know, twenty twenty one draft is going to shape shape up. It might just be a weak draft, you know. Like this one, this was was good. This was really really good, and like they had a lot of it was deep, and like last year was really really good, and it was deep, and. You know, like 2021 might not just be very good. And, you know, and being Miami, you know, 
I think they'll make moves and they'll they'll try and win ball games. Fultra is a really good coach. I, you know, I definitely put him, you know, in the upper echelon of the NBA coaches. You know, um, you know, you got Pop, you got Carlisle, Spolstra, um, Quinn, Brad Smith. Like, I think those those guys are all in the upper echelon. So I, I'm putting, you know, Spolstra there. So like, I think he can do things with 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 people, you know, with his team. And you know, the week is East. <laughs> east is weak. You know, like it's that was, that was almost as good as your uh, as you call in Brad Stevens, Brad Smith. <laughs> yeah, I almost did. You, you, I almost did. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, the the East is weak, and so yeah. Miami can just win more games than you would normally think that might be out in the West. Now, yeah. if that was a Western conference team you know with what miami's going to go going to go through you know and then they're going to have that pick i think that pitch way more value. yeah well and i i too i think i just like like i think bridges fit better on both of those teams than Isaiah smith did right like yeah. like i i like him on phoenix and i like him on philadelphia more than i like Isaiah smith on either of those teams i, well, I but... think we just like bridges better like yeah he Better. He is better than Zaire Smith. Yeah, and you know, like again, I I just think Zaire has a small, narrow window to succeed because he's got so much to develop in terms of skills, especially guard skills. And you know that that's just so hard to ask a dude to do. And like he's a great guy, but I do question whether he's got that personality to make significant strides. You know, like a personality like a Donovan Mitchell, um, where he you know Donovan Mitchell was already much more skilled than Zaire was to start with, but Donovan you could see he made tremendous strides in his skill and his understanding of the game very quickly uh, in his rookie season. And I'm not saying Zaire couldn't do that over a period of time; he doesn't have to do it that quickly. I just in general don't know if if his personality has that kind of a development curve in him. But you know we'll see. I mean that that trade to me was really really interesting. Um, I felt bad for McCall Bridges with that whole situation. Yeah, so did I. That was sad. That was unfortunate. But uh, you know I like his fit in Phoenix. And I think Igor is going to do some great things with them um, as well. But uh, but yeah, so let's wrap this up. Uh, we've gone you know we've gone 18 minutes over what I said we'd go. We didn't even get to free agency. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll have to get together. Hopefully we'll get together before free agency starts and we'll do a little free agency preview. Um, for the Utah Jazz as well, and just kind of a little overview there. But, but yeah, any any closing thoughts from either of you guys uh, before we wrap this up? Maybe any maybe any like sleeper picks in the second round that you really liked for a team that they got picked up or anything like that. Just real quick. Oh man, gonna have to pull up who got picked. <laughs> D- Diallo, Diallo. Yeah, your guy Diallo. Oh, Yo, I'm like I'm like all the way out on him. By the way, I'm I was out. so I'm I so know, disappointed. I'm out too. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, no, it's fine. I. I I'm kind of out as well, but like you know, if he if he came around, I you know, I could be cool. Oh gosh, he was so bad. Oh, yeah, he was so bad. Yeah, he, he, he had Man, a lot that of Kentucky situation last year. Jeez. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, how about this? I'll throw out a couple. I've already mentioned Kobo at 31 for Phoenix. I loved him. I actually had him above Grayson Allen on my board um, for the Jazz. So, but you know, I was okay with the Grayson pick. But he I, he was another guy I was I was really a fan of. Dallas getting Dallas getting Jalen Brunson to go with Doncic, I thought was was a good move, especially as a, as a backup guard that can come in and and be a little bit different of a uh, of a change of pace kind of guy compared to Dennis Smith Jr. A little bit more high IQ. 
I'm obviously a huge Melvin Frazier fan, but I don't understand what the heck Orlando's doing because all the guys they drafted can't create their own shot, run a pick and roll, or shoot. Um, they're all just super long and athletic and play defense. So I'm a little yeah, bit worried about oh that. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. to the to uh, the Kings at 37. He got traded to Portland, but he's a guy that I think we could look back on and wonder why he got drafted so low. Um, I, I was liking, and that's wild to drop to 48. Yeah, I, from what I understand, basically up dropped because of medical concerns, which was unfortunate, but Minnesota picked him up. But that's a great pickup at 48. Yeah. Uh, Rockets getting D'Anthony Melton at 46. I, I really liked him. And then I yeah, mentioned that this. Yeah, kind of hurt. Yeah, I would have <laughs> loved to get him. I was If I was a Jazz, I probably would have moved up and tried to yeah, get a guy Melton. like that. But. Um, and then I mentioned Chemezi Matu at 49 for the Spurs. I've been saying this whole time, you know, that guy's a first-round talent. Uh, he has some personality question marks, to say the least. But that dude is freaking athletic and has a developing skill set. I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, to see him be a starter in the league one day. So, uh, But those are just some, some thoughts. I had Shake Milton at 54, too, is a huge steal. I hate I the Spurs. Um, yeah. Ale- yeah, forever. Alize Johnson at 50 to the pitch. So there's a lot of second-round picks that I like. But, yeah, any any thoughts from you, Gerald, or Ty, on any of those guys or any other guys? Yeah. My last kind of thought of the pod is, because this just jarred back up in my head since you mentioned Orlando, what are they What are, What are? are they doing? Like, What is that plan? <laughs> I have no idea. I like, I like Bamba, uh, but that fit does not make any sense to no me. like i not think that's one of the worst situations he could have gone to yeah no i, I agree terrible culture cult, i think you culture, might see a fire sale. new coach and a team with, that's flooded with bigs yeah like, no no shooting no playmaking no ball handling no pick and roll ball hand like yeah it uh, yeah that's that i would agree that's the worst fit out of i, I see it yeah. i see orlando pulling the fire cell like really like, but like who are they gonna sell they have no one, nothing. <laughs> Aaron Gordon, I guess, but yeah, but like you gotta sign him to back, you gotta but... sign him to a max contract before you can do that, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine they'll match him, but um, I just don't, I don't really know. It's 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 confusing for sure. Oh, that that team's gonna suck so bad. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. That that to me is the biggest question mark of the draft. I'm like, I have no freaking clue what Orlando just did. <laughs> Maybe Orlando's like stealing, you know, Philly's soul. You know, just like, hey, let's just go get, you know, a bunch of, you know, top lottery picks and just suck for a few years. Maybe, but like, if you bring Aaron Gordon back, you know, and like, I don't know, like Fournier's not like atrocious like they're i don't know i mean they were that bad this year but it's like i don't know like maybe they're just gonna be stuck in that weird like no one knows what the heck they're doing range i think but but at least they've only been in that for like five years now yeah yeah it's it's not like anything's gonna change so they can just stay where they're comfortable i guess so like but honestly like you look like even in the second round like they didn't think to get a point guard anywhere like like at 35 (laughs) Like you could even trade it up. There's four point guards. I get it. There's four point guards that went right ahead of them: Okobo, Carter, Brunson, Graham. But like, just trade up and get one of those guys, or even like later on, you know, even if you got like a Bruce Brown, who's not a point guard, but like you know, he can run the point a little bit, or a DeAnthony Melton, or you know, even like a Tony Carr, like trade back or like trade into one of those picks. Some get some point guard. Like you gotta have somebody to yeah. handle the ball. So <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I mean. You can you can get you can get rid of Aaron Aflalo, 
you can get rid of Bismack. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, can you? Can you get rid of Bismack? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, let's take that out. Yeah, I, I, you can get rid of uh, Terrence Ross. You can get rid of Nikola Vujovic. Um, oh, they got to get rid of him now. They have to, yeah. right? Like, and, and you can get rid of uh, you, can, you can get rid of uh, Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. But, like, even Aaron Gordon, if you sign him to a max contract and you keep playing him at the three, and he's not a three, so he's going to not be good. No, like, he's not a three. Like, <laughs> no, are you – like, our team is really going to offer that much for him? Like, if he has a season like he had the last two years, but he's on a max contract, like, I don't know who trades for him. I really don't. Right, right. Or, or maybe they, they don't plan on picking him. You know, like, maybe like, they just, like, nope, we're done. Let's – let's, and that's part, like, that's part of the fire cell there. Is, like, guess what? We're just not going to have it. And we're going to get rid of the rest of the assets that we can get rid of, uh, you know, and then deal with the Bismack contract somehow. <laughs> just, just pray it disappears overnight. That's about all you can right. do. Right. Like, or somehow returns back to, to the Raptors form, but I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's a good call, though. That was a good call on that. Yeah, they, to me, they were like I, – I know they got like Bamba, and I'm a huge fan of his, but to me, they were still like a loser on the night. Like, they got yeah. some of the guys I like the most. Like, they got Bamba. I love Bamba. They got Frazier. I love Frazier. But I'm still, like, they got Jared Vanderbilt. Like, I, I'm worried about his health, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I guess I they, traded, they traded him to Denver, so that doesn't matter. But They're not a loser in the draft. They're just losers right now. <laughs> yeah, they're just losers, period. So, we'll leave it at that. But, yeah, good call. So, yeah, any other thoughts real quick before we close this up from either of you? Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's all. Okay, cool. Well, sorry we ran a little long, guys, but hopefully that was enjoyable. Uh, you know, we're this is our first pod in what like a year, so we'll work on the timing and we'll get to the free agency stuff, whether it's before, during, or after. Um, I know I'm gonna be down at summer league. I'm gonna be at the Utah summer league and Vegas summer league over at the five by five dot com. Uh, so be sure to watch for our content there. Um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna keep this going. I think we're we're gonna do. Uh, I gotta, I gotta talk to my guy Alex over at the Five by Five, but I think we're gonna start hosting this podcast out of the Five by Five dot com and out of the Five by Five podcast network. Uh, so look for that there. I'll keep you guys updated and let you know. I'll put it out on social media, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, we're gonna keep the same title. We'll keep this rolling. We'll keep Gerald and Ty coming on here. We'll start getting some other guests. Uh, maybe we can get some of the local reporters on here. Things of that nature. And uh, we'll work hard to, to see if we can bring you good content. But uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, you want to throw out your Twitter handles before you go so people can give you a follow? No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 I, we just I will keep it. it a secret who Ty actually really is. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping a secret identity. Track. All right. This, we're, we're this cool is Ty's Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> this is the secret scout, the secret coach. This is the secret, you know, Twitter. I'm actually Quinn Snyder. Yeah, this is, twi- this is Quinn Snyder's burner. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ty's our secret jazz Twitter guy. You know how my account is actually uh, Dennis Lindsay's burner. Yeah, don't tell anyone. Yeah, there you go. He runs it for him. But uh, but Gerald, do you you want to throw out your handle? Yeah, yeah, it's Jazz Crusader Wizard on uh, on Twitter. And I'll say this: these guys speak for themselves because they they say some crazy stuff sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Just just to be clear, so we we all we all take responsibility for our own tweets and not each other's. So just to be clear, especially with you, Gerald, you, you say some stuff sometimes and, you know, Ty and I are like, yeah, I don't know who that dude is. <laughs> yeah, the tweets do not represent uh, Mark or his brand. So just know that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm with you that, like, I can be extreme. 
That, yeah, that's an understatement. But yeah, yeah. So. Oh, 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 <laughs> an understatement. Extreme it has a specific definition. <laughs> I love, I love you, Joe. You're a good dude. He's a great fall. So be, be sure to follow him. Just don't, you know, if he starts going crazy, just nod your head and laugh and just, you know, move on. Uh, and it, it will keep be, scrolling. We'll be, we'll all be better for it. So, <laughs> I'll come back to uh, later after, after you know, like two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, so anyway, so yeah, thanks again for joining us, guys. Appreciate it. Give them a follow, not Ty, because he's a secret, but yeah, give Gerald a follow. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark Wallen MBA. That's spelled out M A R K W A H L E N MBA. Uh, you can also follow the 5x5 Podcast Network, uh, where I do a lot of stuff there, over at, at 5x5NBA. And those are the number fives, not spelled out. Uh, and then be sure to check out our website at the5x5.com. Uh, for the website, the first five is spelled out. The second five is the number five, so the the5x5.com. we got a lot of content over there. Uh, we'll have a lot more coming soon with free agency, the Summer League. Uh, you can review our draft content. You can review our other articles that we have on there. we got a lot of fun stuff that we're doing there. Uh, but, yeah, thanks again, guys, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your thoughts, especially on the Jazz. I know you guys do a good job keeping up with them. And, uh, yeah, just stay tuned for our next episode. See ya.